Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. We are now known as Underwhelming Sports Talk with Brian Javaharian. We had to rebrand once we hit a whole 30 listeners. Um, shout out to our Russian bots and uh, are going in a new but same direction. So with that in mind, we have another UCSB alumni. Somehow we keep ending up with UCSB alumni. Jeff Beach. Jeff used to be a video coordinator at USD, and he knows more about basketball than all of us. So he will educate me on the NBA draft, and then we talk a lot of politics. So I bet you can guess which political party he follows about two minutes into that part. So enjoy. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Beach. How are you today, my friend? I'm good. You're you're really doing this now. This is episode four, episode or is it technically four. episode one now. We have rebranded. We are going in a new direction. Um, thanks in no small part to your uh, hate uh, <laughs> of the the Jockass name. Oh yeah. Um, we're your your our only comment so far is is the name sucks ass. So uh, we're going with. Uh, underwhelming sports talk with Brian Javaharian. All right, so it's a mouthful, but it's better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you're quite the critic. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is really going to fuck up your branding and all of your SEO now that you've changed your name midway through. Yeah, we were number one if you searched exactly what uh, the name was. So if you searched for the Jockcast, <laughs> we were number one. Other than that, I don't think our SEO was was uh, up there. So I think we'll be okay. Well, your first three podcasts now. The the first three are still there, so okay. we should be good. They uh they don't go away. It just changes the uh, the name and and title of the the podcast on all that different apps. So we should be good. Uh, but our, in case our thirty three listeners uh, <laughs> were wondering, that's what the, the change is. We uh, had a big change. So well, hopefully, so hopefully it'll be more interesting now too. We'll see. It it probably won't, but <laughs> well, you've uh, you've just you're having your third straight UCSB grad on the podcast now, so you might want to diversify your role decks a little bit after this one. That's a good point. I gotta diversify my bonds. That's for <laughs> damn sure. Kevin can help you with so, that. So we are diversifying a little bit. We're we're sticking to uh, some NBA, some throne stock, but we're also gonna dig into some politics today. Um, so, uh, so we'll get into that, but we'll we'll start. We'll we'll stick with the uh, the bread and butter and talk a little NBA, um, but specifically more NBA draft. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be good. We can keep it light before everyone just pulls their hair out with rage when we start talking about politics. Yeah, yeah, that should be fun. Our thirty three listeners are going to set the Twitter on fire after they hear <laughs> the, the well, hot takes. I have a feeling most of them are <laughs> Russian bots, so they might actually not be upset about the current state of our politics a listener's a listener um so <laughs> who did you want to get uh the number one pick um who did i want who did you want to have it you know I, pelicans I, ended up with it yeah i actually i think the pelicans deserved it the most you can make a pretty good case that they've had a pretty a lot of karma. shitty go of it for the last <laughs> few years <laughs> a lot um, of karma in their favor yeah between just a being in new orleans and having that just like be their reality and and B, just with the whole AD thing, I think it's been a pretty rough couple months. So they deserve it for sure. I think that Zion's going to be a good addition to 
whatever their roster ends up looking like in October. Um, I think they might have a better chance of keeping Anthony Davis now, but who the fuck knows at this point. Everyone just wants to go play in the big markets and do their thing. So uh, I think they deserve it. But I, in terms of what I thought would be the most interesting, obviously the Knicks would have been great. Um, yeah. I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that uh, Kevin Durant's going there. Uh, they probably have a good shot at Kyrie. So that would have been a pretty uh, pretty good core to build around with Zion as the third guy there. But uh, I, I think it worked out. Um, it will be kind of shitty that we're never going to get to watch Zion play now that he's in New Orleans. But uh, hopefully ESPN yeah. can add a couple of their games to the schedule. They may, maybe they can push out the Lakers, <laughs> one of They're their gonna... 40 nationally televised games. The The Pelicans, let me just tell you this. When they get to Zion, they're going to be on national TV every single week. Did you see what the ratings were like this year for Duke? Oh yeah, the for sure. Roof. Yeah, they're the NBA will. This will be the year of the Pelican. They're going to be they're going to be on on ESPN just weekly and TNT. They're going to be all over the place. <laughs> well, and, and good for them. I think they needed a little boost. I, I saw that they yeah. they added like four thousand season ticket holders. Um, in like a day or two after, after the lottery, um, you know, maybe this will prevent them from moving to Seattle in five years or you know, whatever is inevitably going to happen with that. So I, I don't think they're necessarily a candidate to relocate now too, which is probably good for the 10 people in New Orleans that give a shit about them. Yeah. Fuck that. They should move to Seattle. <laughs> um, do, are we past feeling bad for New Orleans for Katrina? I think, yeah. I don't know if we're going to make jokes about it yet, but yeah. I, I How many I'll more years it. until I can make jokes? I mean, I know George Bush hates black people, but. Yeah. Well, we can't but... make 9-11 jokes yet, right? <laughs> we're, I guess we're, we're still 100 <laughs> years from making 9-11 yeah, jokes. Yeah, I don't think they're comparable. We can't make, but... it, we can't make 9-11 jokes until 9-11-21-2101. right, I'll mark my calendar. I, maybe yeah. we should cut this part out of the podcast if you can edit. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Are there birds yeah, chirping I, I, behind you? Yeah, let me close the window here. I'm, at, I'm in my home office, so I, I enjoy the, the ambiance of the, All right. the outdoors from time to time. All right. Our 33 listeners, we apologize. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we now Jeff's have 30 ambiance. listeners. Yeah. 30 <laughs> listeners were down, down a couple. <laughs> um, so for me, the, the team that I wanted to see was Atlanta. Yeah, I think yeah. it would have been really cool to see him with Trey Young and John Collins. Yeah, can I change uh, my pick? <laughs> you should go for, should jump over to it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> they would. They would have been. A, they if we're going to talk about who who won and who lost the lottery, I think you can make a pretty good case that even more than the Knicks, the the Hawks probably <laughs> got screwed the hardest. Yeah, uh, I think they had about as good of odds as anyone to get the first pick, and they dropped all the way to eight. Is that right? Eight, yeah. Cleveland and Phoenix both dropped off. I mean, this whole lottery, the new lottery system really fucked up uh, tanking for for the bottom teams. It really yeah. increased it for the middle teams. The yeah. middle teams now have a much better incentive to tank. You know, you could be the Lakers. The Lakers and Clippers were at the same point at the midway, like after February. Mm-hmm. Lakers end up with the fourth pick. You know, you could say what the Clippers did was – uh, probably even more impressive though of mm-hmm. of going to the playoffs getting that experience and you know good for them but 
at the same time, now the Lakers have their best trade asset from yeah. tanking. Yeah, and on I think like from a macro perspective, like it, it actually is good. I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't say it necessarily motivates anyone to tank any more than they did before, but I think it 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 incentivizes teams to compete. I mean, maybe it's going to be like a race to the middle, but uh, you know, now if you're in a position like the Lakers or even the Clippers, now you you can justify not just totally bottoming out, and you can say, okay, we'll make a run of it. You know, maybe get the eight, seven seed, and we'll still have a chance to be in the you know one through ten range in the draft. Yeah. So, so I think it's good in that sense, um, and it definitely makes watching the lottery a lot more interesting. I, this is probably the first year I can actually like remember caring about what happens in the lottery. Um, yeah, there's there's some good surprises. You're going to be closely uh, emotionally tied to some of these Gonz- yeah, Gonzaga. Well, I guess for more reasons than one, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you think Jack Beach will go in the lottery this year? Um, is there a tenth round of the draft? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Jack Beach. Yeah. Is there uh, a is there a draft for white front office employees? I think he's he's going to be. We're going to see him on the Golden State staff pretty soon here. Yeah. Uh, two rows back behind buddy. the bench. Yeah, you can join my buddy Nick Kerr in the video room. <laughs> <laughs> get him an internship did you see the shout out uh draymond gave to the video coordinator no uh, yesterday so he he gave this big shout out you know how everybody's been on draymond's jock for good reason since that last game you know he had a great game mm-hmm. he's been killing it all playoffs and there's, there's a clip of him you know showing good leadership talking mm-hmm. to uh jordan bell after he misses the that the big dunk, dunk. yeah and funny. you know talking him up and so after the game, he's getting interviewed, and, and he he goes off about how the video coordinator of Golden State, and he's like, you know, video coordinators don't usually get credit, but the video coordinator came up to him and basically told him, you know, we're going to need you to, to get the, like, not the, just the stars going, but, like, all the bench players going, and we need you to talk these guys up and stuff. And, <laughs> and he gave, like, mad props to the video coordinator wow. for, for talking to him. Like, <laughs> well, uh well, as a former as a former video coordinator, I can tell you that that is not in the job description to get pep talks. <laughs> yeah, but, who the fuck is this guy coming yeah. from Draymond? <laughs> but kudos to whoever that was. I, yeah. I don't think it was I don't think it was Nick, but yeah, kudos. Really bold big move. balls. Really yeah, big bold balls. Move. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think uh, I do think we should talk a little bit more about the Hawks. Though. I think you you make a good point that they're probably the team that it, it worked out the best or that, uh, you know, needed that number one pick the most. Yeah. Um, maybe not the most, but they, they would have really had something interesting going. I think if they added Zion or even one of the top three guys. Well, and they had two chances too, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their odds were with that Dallas pick. Yeah. They ended up yeah, at that... 10 with that one. Yeah. So, you know, they're still going to come out ahead of this though. There's, I think the talent, like eight through thirty, is better than uh, some of the the critics are giving it credit for. But obviously, there's a big drop off after R.J. Barrett or or Morant or whoever goes third. Well, so tell me then, who do you like uh, between eight and thirty? Who are some of the guys that you get your eye on? Uh, well, bias aside, I won't talk up the Zags. I think that it's, it's well documented at this point that I uh, shout out Rui. Bias. 
Shout yeah, out Rui, to Rui. I, I actually think, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do think Brandon Clark might be the better of the two uh, prospects. Yeah. Just because of, you know, his athleticism and he's kind of interchangeable. He can probably guard one through five and he can be a rim protector and also, you know, play a little bit out on the perimeter. He can guard, you know, ball handlers. He can guard centers. He, he makes up for his lack of height with pretty good athleticism and he's a quick jumper. So he makes up that, that distance pretty quickly. Um, outside of my Gonzaga bubble, um, I think uh, Culver, the guy from Texas Tech, is is legit. I saw him play actually against the Zags, and um, I'm impressed by him. He's probably bigger than he's listed. I he looks more like six eight. Uh, he's kind of interpositional. He can play two through four probably for for a lot of teams. Uh, doesn't have too many weaknesses. He'll be a good three and D guy. Um, I'm not as high on DeAndre Hunter as other people are. I think he'll be a solid NBA player. I just don't know if I'd take him in the top six. Uh, he's probably more of like a Tre- Trevor Reza type guy in the NBA projecting long-term. Um, the kid from Vanderbilt is interesting. Uh, Garland, have you, have you seen anything on him? No, no. Um, I'm looking at the ESPN draft board right now, though, and they have him four, DeAndre Hunter five, and Culver six. Okay, yeah, Garland shoots the shit out of the ball. Uh, he's a little undersized, but um, I think he's, he might be a little more well-rounded than a guy like Trey Young. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he translates um, at the next level. Um, but, yeah, in terms of guys I think the Hawks would consider, they, they need probably a rim protector. Um, John Collins is not, not the best guy on defense down low, and obviously Trey Young I probably couldn't guard me in a men's league. So <laughs> that's saying something because I just don't even try to move. I just float on the three-point line. Um, I, I think they need a guy like uh, maybe even Brandon Clark, um, maybe the kid from Texas, uh, 6'11 freshman. I can't remember his name. Jackson Hayes. Yeah, Jackson Hayes. He's he's kind of the kind of guy that they should consider if they're looking for fit. Um, there's a, it seems like there's kind of a, a working thesis where teams haven't really been drafting for fit lately in the last few years. They're kind of just drafting like who the best available guy is. Um, but I think that some teams have gotten burned by taking that approach. Like, you know, obviously the Sixers probably screwed up their, their timeline when they took like three centers <laughs> and three straight lotteries uh, with Okafor and uh, mm-hmm. obviously Embiid. But uh, yeah, they need a rim protector. They probably need a guy that can play on the wing. Um, and, and guard, you know, the primary ball handler on the other team because Trey Young uh, probably isn't the guy you want doing that. So they had some needs. A guy like Culver would have been great for them. Um, maybe DeAndre Hunter falls to them at eight. But, yeah, they they, uh, they they have some needs probably more than most of the teams um, ahead of them, actually. Um, you know, the, the Pelicans, for everything you want to say about their dysfunction, they, they actually have a pretty – solid you know one through seven rotation going so adding zion to that mix is going to make them immediate contenders i wouldn't i don't know if they're you know championship contenders but they're definitely going to be in the conversation for top four seed i think in the west what's what's interesting that will be will be interesting to see how the hawks play into things is is i don't think you can build a team anymore really around a center unless Mm -hmm. they're 
otherworldly. Yeah. And you don't really want to build around a point guard either, mm-hmm. you know, unless they're Steph Curry. Yeah. You know, you're seeing even like a guy like Lillard, who's as good as it gets, mm-hmm. struggling in the playoffs because it gets really difficult when, when uh, you're playing for nine months at a time and yeah. you're getting beat up game after game. Yeah, I think the mistake a lot of teams make is if you are going to build around a guy like that who doesn't have you know the, the size of a, a you know a bigger wing or a, a guy that's just going to be primarily a shooter, you have to you still have to do the building. You have to put the right pieces around those players. Um, so I think that the Blazers are being kind of exposed by the Warriors' depth and and their balance. Um, obviously, Draymond pulling his head out of his ass after four months is having something to do with that but you know they're they're really being exposed because they don't have that third guy really that can be the primary defender against a really good player and they don't have great rim protectors uh so so those guys are just kind of you know getting exposed and you couldn't expect them to keep shooting the lights out like they've been doing for the last two rounds either yeah where do you stand on barrett and reddish um I'm not a big fan of Reddish. Uh, I think he probably played himself out of a top three slot over the course of the season. And I, I heard this on, on another podcast or maybe I read it, an article, but it's never a good sign when you play yourself out of a, a higher slot over the yeah. course of the season. You know, yeah. it's not a good, it's not, a, it's not good when, when more people see you, they think you're worse than they did before, when less people had seen you. <laughs> And actually, yeah. the same can be said for Reddit too, or uh, for Barrett, Barrett too. Yeah, um, probably to a lesser degree. Uh, he obviously has his flaws. He's not a great shooter. Uh, he he kind of comes and goes, but I think he projects a lot better than Reddish. Uh, he can he can probably play one through three. He'll he'll be a solid. And I don't know if he'll be an all star, but he'll be a solid, you know, top two guy on on a good team, uh, you know, throughout his career. I think, but. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely take Barrett. I, I would still be excited about him if I was the Knicks, if if he does fall to them. I think he's the guy you can build around. Uh, but yeah, the same definitely can't be said about Reddish. I'm not I'm not big on the the Duke bandwagon after seeing them go down in Maui to to the Zags. So yeah, to be fair to Barrett, you know we were watching him and we watched him all season because mm-hmm. Duke was so fun to watch this year. Um, and watching him when he's next to Zion just shows you the difference. And okay, this is a guy Zion that could easily translate to a super duper star. Mm-hmm. Whereas Barrett, you could see him being, you know, third team All NBA even, mm-hmm. but not. He's never going to be a LeBron level yeah. type, or or not even LeBron, like just a a top top. Yeah, you know, and and, and that's okay. Yeah, like I said, he you know, he, he very well could be an all-star. I don't think he's like a transcendent guy like Zion or, or LeBron or, you yeah. know, a handful of other guys in the league now. But um, I, I do think that he's good enough that you can build around him. And actually, the good thing for the Knicks is if they really care about Dennis Smith Jr., who they got uh, <laughs> midseason, then now they don't have to unload him. So... He, if he's your point guard, then you can still roll with that. I don't know if that's the right decision, but yeah, uh, they I don't, don't know have to if make your, any immediate changes. I don't know if your franchise is in a good place when, when 
Dex Smith Jr. Yeah. is the big consideration <laughs> for your off season. Oh, well, he has he's cool on YouTube. He's got <laughs> Oh yeah, he's got he's he's great in the dunk contest and stuff. Yeah. He's an amazing athlete. The stuff yeah. that he can do at his size is unbelievable. But yeah. Well, I guess it, it does beg the question, though. Like now that these teams are slotted where they are, is is there a trade to be made? If you know, if the Pelicans still want to uh, unload Anthony Davis, or maybe if Anthony Davis decides he just doesn't want to play, regardless of uh, whether they get Zion or not, um, is there a trade there for someone like the Knicks, where they could grab Anthony Davis for you know the third pick and a handful of other assets? Um, that would definitely it, change the the out the the look of this draft, but I don't know if that's a reality or realistic. I don't think New Orleans trades it ahead of the draft. I think they they hold on and see yeah. how things play out. Try to get him to play with Zion. Yeah, how I can think, you not? Yeah, I think that they should. They they owe it to the organization to give it a shot. Anthony Davis yeah. is probably a top three player in the league when he's healthy, and they're adding arguably the. <laughs> The, the most exciting rookie since LeBron mm-hmm. to that to that core that's already pretty solid with Drew Holiday and um, and the other guys. So I, I think they have something there. It, it, it's just going to depend on when they decide they can get the most out of Anthony Davis if he if he says he's not going to resign. Uh, you know, so if he says now I'm not going to resign uh, after this year, then he, I think you have to at least consider it. And there's probably some offers out there that might be interesting. I don't know if the Lakers can sweeten the pot with that fourth pick, but um, I'd look at someone like the Knicks to maybe make a good offer. Um, Yeah, I can see them making a good, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the Knicks offer, even with the number three pick. I still think that the Lakers have a better offer and Boston, probably an even better Mm -hmm. one. I'm sticking with my uh, my pick that the Clippers will find a way to to steal them away with their assets, mm-hmm. but yeah, the they're kind of the, they're the gonna... yeah, yeah. I think you're right. the Clippers are kind of the dark horse that nobody is talking about in terms of the the trade market. They obviously have, I think, they have enough room for two max free agents, mm-hmm. but they really could make a trade and bring in a guy like Anthony Davis. Um, that would be make things pretty interesting. I think the Clippers are probably poised to be the first or second best team in the West next year, assuming Golden State drops off a little bit. Yeah. If they I like, get Kawhi and someone else. I think Big Balls Balmer is going to do something big this, <laughs> this offseason. So yeah, well, he probably has to get Kawhi first and then worry about this. Yeah, well, he's definitely enthusiastic enough to pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, so enough, enough uh, draft talk. Let's get into some of the politics. Okay. Um, so, Jeff, you are a, a self-proclaimed uh, bleed blue liberal snowflake. <laughs> um, when did you first realize you were a liberal? When did I first realize I was a liberal? Um, honestly, when I started paying attention, actually, um, at the risk of sounding like a douchebag, once I really kind of started taking the time to dig into issues and, and everything that was going on and understanding more about you know how you know our politics works and 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 what the the people that we're voting for stand for it became pretty clear whose interests which which candidates had in mind and um yeah it's <laughs> there's a, i think trump is kind of the uh byproduct of how far 
the Republican Party has just bottomed out in terms of their ethics and morals and you know, they're they're hoodwinking I, I think a lot of a lot of their voters with you know this fake evangelical Christianity stuff and you know the 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 fake moral arguments where they're saying you know these people are heathens if you, know, if you vote for abortion or, or yeah, whatever there's, yeah. there's nothing more fun than watching Trump lead a prayer yeah yeah <laughs> like if you have a half a fucking brain then you can see that and know that it's just total bullshit and they're and they're definitely hoodwinking their voters you know they're on one hand they're saying okay you know if you vote democratic then you know they're going to legalize abortion and gay marriage and blah 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 but in and in, in the meantime they're you know fucking them over with you know the the attention that they're giving to all the special interests and you know big corporations they're they're making it easier for those companies to just get away with automating all the jobs and 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 you know raise you know they say they're lowering taxes, but they're really not because the benefits that they're getting are also going away too. So, so what kind of liberal would you describe yourself as? Are you like a, a Joe um, Biden? Or are you I'd like say I'm becoming AOC? more and more socialist. I, I actually socialist. am kind of a big AOC fan. I think anytime you, you have such a visible presence, you're probably at risk for making mistakes, which obviously she does from time to time. If you tweet a thousand times a day, then odds are at least one of those tweets is going to suck. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, That's she's fair. still batting a higher percentage than Trump because out of 10 tweets that he sends, 10 of them are just dog shit. So, What's the, driving you in further and further to the left? Because, you know, AOC, you look, you look at the, the pendulum. This is where I look at, at politics. I see... You know the the pendulums the pendulum swings back and forth, and each time it swings further one way, it swings further the other mm-hmm. way, and that's that's what I think you're seeing with Trump is that yeah. in a lot of Republicans' minds, Obama was a huge swing to the left for them. Yeah. You know, you may not see it the same way, but for a lot of Republicans, that's the way it was like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're you're voting in this guy, and it was mm-hmm. like end of the world. You know, as much as liberal circles make Trump out to be end of the world. You know, Republicans were doing the same thing mm-hmm. when Obama was elected. Yeah, and definitely. So then I think you see that that swing to the right with Trump. And now I it, it feels as if AOC is that that swing even further. You know, instead of looking at going back into the Democratic core, it's how can we get more progressive? How can we get mm-hmm. more socialist? How can we you know and is that the answer to our country's problems is to go further and well, further to the left well actually no so i i guess this is the risk for the democrats in in 2020 is how far left do you go where you are are going to potentially risk uh kind of abandoning Alienating part voters. of your base yeah so and that's actually why a guy like joe biden probably is the favorite at this point because he's just middle of the road, politics as usual, we, we can go back to normal and we can go back to never having to hear about this shit. I can scroll through my Twitter feed while I take a shit and not just like <laughs> blow a blood vessel in my brain. Is that from, is that from the Twitter or from the shit? <laughs> Both actually. I've been taking fiber, <laughs> so it's getting a little better on the shit in front. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, thank um, God. Is, this podcast is actually sponsored by Metamucil. So, Metamucil. Um, It'll make you shit good. Shit good. 
<laughs> as John Nelson would say. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really do think this is probably one of the the highest risk, high rewards, uh, high reward situations that the Democrats have probably found them in, you know, in a primary in a long time. Um, they are kind of representing every end of the spectrum. And in the past, it was, you know, there's still a pretty wide spectrum, but the people on, you know, the far left were more outliers at that point. And now they're, they're really central to the party's identity. Um, you know, even the most, you know, kind of moderate, you know, candidates running outside of Biden are, are advocating for things like basic universal income and free college, uh, socialized healthcare. So, um, I think there's probably like a threshold where you, you do alienate people if you go too far to the left. Um, and I think it, it's probably a natural response to Trump, but it might not be the right one. Um, you know, a guy like Biden might be a good reset where, you know, you can just have kind of some stability for four years. You can, you know, at least restore some, some of the integrity and the respect, um, in the White House, um, probably improve our relationships with every single one of our allies who's probably just about ready to blow their brains out by this point. So, um, you know, I, I, I would pretty enthusiastic, enthusiastically support Biden if he's the guy, but I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't say he's someone you really get excited about. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I think that's, that's Biden's catch line. This, this upcoming presidential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, get, don't get too excited. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Just vote for me. And honestly, I I actually do think that there's a lot of appeal in that. I think there's a lot of people who just want to go back to not caring, not having to pay attention to all the the crazy shit that's going on. Um, Even with Obama, I think there was a lot of that where it was just like kind of on cruise control. You know, you might tune in, you know, once in a while and and have an opinion on something, but for the most part, you weren't ever really concerned one way or another how things were going. Well, it's actually one of, it in a way is one of, you know, it is scary in certain regards. And it's also one of the benefits of the Trump presidency is, is we've never cared so much about politics. It used to mm-hmm. be every, every four years, people would start to get excited about it. And you'd, and you'd want to shut off your Facebook or MySpace or whatever. Yeah. Never hear anybody talk about it again for the next four years and now it's a daily ritual if you look at the news and there's 10 different topics and the news channels have all figured Mm -hmm. out that trump is so popular to talk about that everything he does you know if he takes a shit it's on the news yeah and they they have to cover it because they you know they're yeah and they're surviving through clicks that's where they get sponsorships and they're you know they're growing their ad revenue through those clicks so that they don't have a choice. They're kind of held hostage by him. Uh, yeah. I, I still don't think that they figure out how to cover him uh, appropriately, but they definitely don't really, they're in a tough position. No, but what he's showing is all of the loopholes that our system has today yeah. and all the ways of exposing that. And what he, what he has brought to a head that I think has been building up to this point is that uh, we need to rein in executive privilege and that the executive branch was never really meant to have this much sway. It should just yep. be, and in certain regards, it has been held in check. It's just that the headlines show, you know, what he does, and then it gets shut down in court. Yeah, you know, so in a way, it's it is working. Um, but the last few administrations have taken more, and it's not just Trump. It's just that he 
is taking advantage of something that the last mm-hmm. few administrations have shown, which is that the executive privilege has grown in power mm-hmm. um, and has more power than it's ever had and it was ever meant to have. You know, you shouldn't be able to go to war without congressional approval. Mm-hmm. Um, but that started back in the Bush administration. Yeah, and it's something that Bush and Obama have taken Obama advantage did. of. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it's not such a big deal until you get someone who is probably unstable in the White House. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, as as batshit stupid <laughs> as as stupid as Bush was, I think you at least trusted that nothing catastrophic was going to happen. You can maybe argue that it, it did, but um, you know, especially with Obama, you trusted that it was, he was level-headed enough that people around him were level-headed enough that any of the executive privilege that he was going to take advantage of wasn't really going to be that consequential. Um, unless you're a brown person living in Syria and getting bombed by drones, but um, you know, for the most part, it, it it was okay. But now you see why that is such a slippery slope, right? Because you know, now you don't trust that guy in the White House with the button. So yeah. it is difficult, you know, to to imagine him making that decision yeah. in a rational way, you know, which but, was always my my qualms with the guy. Yeah. Um, is there anything that he has done that you're in favor of? Um, honestly, he, for, for the most part, all I can say is I think it's been not as bad as we hoped. Maybe that's because we're just desensitized at this point. Um, you know, a lot of people have struggled and been adversely affected by his policies, especially, you know, uh, you know, less fortunate people, immigrants, um, you know, the ilk, but, uh, you know, he's done some good things there. His, some of his fiscal policy is okay. Um, I just, I just don't trust that the people around him also have good intentions. I think the one thing that, that he has really put the spotlight on is just like, just how broken politics is in general. It's so partisan. It's so bitchy, you know, they don't, neither party is willing to work with each other at this point because they're just so far apart. You know, there's no crossing the aisle to make a deal anymore. It's, you know, fuck you if you don't (laughs) agree with this and fuck you if you don't agree with that. Do you feel you're not part of that? Uh, no, I'm definitely a part of that, but <laughs> but it's all it's 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 deeper than that, though, right? It's, it's social media and all this online outrage. It's easier to yell at someone over the internet than it is to actually have a conversation about issues and come to you know, compromise. We've gotten to an era where we bo- we know both the most about politics that we've ever known and the least. Yeah, and so. that's not necessarily a, a good thing. I don't think, at least in this stage. Um, yeah. But in, until the the partisanship improves. I don't know if it ever will. It, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But you know that's the biggest issue because the this whole idea of checks and balances has really kind of fallen apart under Trump because the other Republicans have fallen in line with him because they have to if they don't if they don't support him on his various policy issues or his outbursts or whatever then they're going to be on blast on his Twitter account the next morning and you know the. 60 million dipshits that vote for him or whatever, you know, that's less support for the, the Republicans in Congress and in the Senate and you know, less support for his nominees if they're not going to toe the line. So, yeah. Would you hook up with Trump if he agreed to resign as a result? 
how far do I have to go? <laughs> At least a dry handy. Yeah, yeah. I probably will. Is he giving me a hand job or am I giving him a hand job? You're giving him a hand job. I was gonna say his hands are probably so small that it would take forever for him to give me a hand job, but <laughs> No, I, I I I don't think I would, honestly. I don't think No, no don't hand think, job. No I don't think any, job. I don't think anything gets better if he gets impeached or resigns. I think it's it's yeah, more like more symptomatic at this point. It's just kind of it's broken. We need a reset. So that's that's the only reason why I could actually argue that maybe Biden is the the smartest choice is because that's exactly what it would be. It just as much as you might not like the status quo, you have to reset at some point, and maybe that's the point that that, that can happen at. Okay. Where you do well, get a guy that can compromise. Let's get into that then. I want to give you some some quick uh, odds on the All right. the Democratic. Uh, I guess it's the the odds that each candidate will actually win the election. So yeah. not just get nominated. Well, so I don't oh. know how much you've dug into this, but do you, do you have a, a person that you like? I, if I'm betting on this right now, I'm either betting Trump at plus plus one twenty because you really get elected along the economy. Mm-hmm. And, and unless the economy tanks in the next couple months, the history has shown that presidents mm-hmm. win that way or, or I'm just taking the easy um, plus 400 at Biden. Yeah. Although I am tempted by Bernie at plus 700. I'm not sure. I feel as if Bernie should be even odds with Biden right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the outpouring of support with him last time, and Biden's not that much different than Hillary, although he's more likable and not a woman. So, yeah. um, you know, historically speaking, that's a, that, that's a, an advantage yeah. but bernie should have won the last nomination so i don't see why it's not like his following has gotten smaller yeah i think it's gotten bigger so um i might put some money on him but yeah. but i guess if this is i i guess i'm, I'm reading this wrong though if i was going to put money for the nomination that's how i would go but i would not put money on bernie to win the whole thing yeah i think him, I, I actually think he might not be a bad general election candidate, I think his trouble is going to be getting through the primary because last cycle in, in 2016, the field was a lot different. It was him running up against a bunch of moderates, three of whom could barely walk and chew gum and tie their shoes at the same time. And the other was Hillary, who everyone just fucking hates. So he wasn't really, he was making his pitch, but he was making it against people who were basically making more of the middle of the road pitch that Biden's going to make this time around. It's, you know, Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, who are all going to be making, you know, uh, the case for moving further to the left. And how does he compete against people that are basically regurgitating his own ideas um, and, and, and bring them into their own platforms? So I think that's the difference. Before he was going up against Hillary, who was kind of just going to be Obama light, and now, you know, he's going to have to go up against people who have a lot of the same ideas that he does. So let me give you my take that I've had since the the Obama election, which is, and it actually goes back further, but I started to think about it during the Obama years. We elect a president now, and and Trump really confirmed this. We elect a president now. Uh, based on celebrity mm-hmm. and 
it doesn't totally matter their ideas that much. It matters more how how famous are they, how high profile, how much do we know about them, and mm-hmm. that almost covers it all. Because you look at when Bush was elected, um, how you know his family had already been in power. You know he was basically back at the time. You know people there wasn't quite as much of the the web celebrity and stuff, but. Obama really characterized that he took over in that election as like the, by far, you know, the guy everybody knew about going into it and mm-hmm. used Facebook really to his advantage to that. Mm-hmm. And so when Hillary was going against Trump this last time, I thought uh, before Trump really got into it, I thought, oh, Hillary is the most famous candidate going into this thing. She's going to win for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I did not see Trump coming in. <laughs> Well, Vegas agrees out celebrating the fuck out of her. Yeah, you weren't alone. But yeah, it really it, well, and that was before Trump got involved that I was thinking that mm-hmm. you know. But and I obviously you know nobody really saw him actually winning it, but but it just confirmed that the most famous person always wins, and and I think going into this, you got to look at either Bernie or Biden as the yeah. most famous person going into this. Yeah, and I, so, probably Bernie. Yeah, no, I. I think he has a good chance. I think he's definitely obviously increased his celebrity since 2016. Um, but the, the problem is, and the risk is exactly what happened with Trump. The, the Republicans ran 20 guys out on that debate stage during the primaries. And the loudest guy in the room is going to win in that kind of situation, right? He's just talking over everyone, calling Jeb Bush low energy <laughs> and all these guys are just getting railroaded by him because he's just throwing jabs at them constantly. It's yeah. not, you know, it's, there's not, there's no depth to it. It's just shit. He alpha them. He yeah. alpha them really. Yeah. You know, it was a, it came down to a, a, a old instinct that we have, yeah. you know, following the alpha. Well, so yeah, that's true. But I also think that that's why people are a little weary about the Democrats making that same mistake this time around. I think there's something like 18 people that have announced that they're running for president on the, on yeah, the Democratic side, and it, that's an issue because the the message gets drowned out at that point when there's so many voices and everyone's just, you know, going at each other. There's there's no cohesion in that situation. So give me some give me give me some picks. Who do you like? Who would you put your money on today? We've got Biden plus four hundred, Bernie plus seven hundred, Pete uh, Boot Gig or whatever plus twelve hundred. Yeah, Buttigieg. Kamala is plus eleven hundred. Mm-hmm. Beto plus 2,500. There's a bunch more, yeah. but do you like any of those? Or you like, so a, if I was, candidate? if I was betting, I'd bet on Biden. I think he's Biden. probably the favorite easily at this point. It'll be interesting to see how he performs in debates where he's, you know, not going to go as far left as the other candidates he's running against. And you know, I think he's gotten over all of the weird <laughs> touchy feely shit that he has been accused of doing. Um, but that might be an issue for him too. Uh, I, I like personally, if I had to choose the person I like the most, I would choose Buttigieg. He's he's a really interesting candidate here. He's the mayor of Southman, Indiana. He's openly gay. He's a, a veteran. Um, he leans pretty far left, but he's also moderate in a lot of uh, fiscal areas. So he's he's not going to go as far left as Bernie with the free college and and some of the more extreme things that he's proposing, but he's going to be able to make the case for things like universal health care, maybe even universal basic income. Um, So I think that he's maybe the right messenger for that too. 
uh, I think, honestly, though, after Bernie and Biden, everyone else is just vying to be vice president at that point. I don't think any of these people are serious contenders. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is someone who can really thoughtfully articulate uh, her positions, and she has a lot of good um, policy ideas that actually are pretty practical, but she suffers from the same issue that Hillary did when you know, pe- people just don't think that she's maybe it's from, you know, because she's a woman, but I don't think she really connects with people uh, the same way that Hillary didn't. So that's going to be a problem for her. Kamala Harris is interesting. She's obviously a black woman, uh, former attorney general. Um, but uh, I don't know if she's going to be able to stand out. Same with Cory Booker. Um, yeah, honestly, Biden is the safest pick. Buttigieg has really skyrocketed from where he was initially. I think he was kind of an unknown, and now he's really becoming kind of, he's creating that national celebrity profile for himself, which, like you said, you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Yang is interesting. He's kind of taking the Trump approach where he's coming in as the businessman, quote unquote. Um, I don't think yeah, he. He was good on Joe Rogan. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's actually what everyone says. His strategy has been to just go on every podcast. I think that's on the, the Apple podcasts. Not a bad strategy. Sure. Yeah. We may have him on the uh, Underwhelming Sports yeah. Pod. Yeah, maybe he can be your soon. fifth guest. He'll be uh, <laughs> the first non-UCSB grad. <laughs> no, I, that's, it's, it's a good strategy. He's taken this approach where he's not going to go on the national talk shows. He's not going to be featured on CNN and Fox News and, and all these network shows. He's he's taking kind of a grill approach where he's just going to sit. He's saying, I'm going to go on every podcast I can. I'm going to get my message out there. And people are liking it. Like you said, you heard him on Joe Rogan and he has good ideas. But uh, I don't I don't think that he's going to be able to you know pull ahead of this pack either. There's just too many people. There's too many established names. It's it's going to be tough for anyone to break ahead that's not named Bernie or Biden. Okay, so I think we're going to save Game of Thrones for next time, actually, since we've gone uh, for about 45 minutes here. So uh, I I thought of something. um, We cut off there for a minute, but thought we could do. Why don't we do a Game of Thrones roundtable with some of our friends and go through? Yeah, that that works. I think we probably wasted too much time on Metamucil ads on on this one. But uh, yeah, I think it'd be better to get everyone's take because it's – it's it's a pretty divisive ending. I think everyone's going to have some interesting opinions, and I think we all might have different opinions about how it ended. Yeah, make sure you use code ISHITBLOOD at <laughs> checkout for Metamucil. <laughs> I don't shit blood. It just takes me off. <laughs> all right. And the next <laughs> podcast will also be about Jeff's bowel movements. So <laughs> tune in next time. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> have a good, good time. One. See ya. Bye. Have a good time. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for listening. That's all, folks.